BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Geek 5 Live. I am Sean Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy, and you're listening to Geek Vibes Live. Yes, you are, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live, uh, where I would say we – how did it go, Nick? Uh, I forgot it already. Um, <laughs> what is it? Um, oh, man. We take and we take ass. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you were asking. I thought you were asking which episode it was after oh, after God, you man. went back and counted them all. Yeah, no, I gave <laughs> up on that. Um, <laughs> no, welcome to Geek Vibes Live, where we kick names and we take ass. We take all of the ass. Um, <laughs> welcome everyone. I am of course joined by Nick and Dane. What's going on, guys? What's up, man? Hello. How are you? That was uh, those are both pretty underwhelming. Uh, we will also be joined by Joel a little later, and um, unfortunately, Kanan will not be with us this week. But Kanan will yes. be back next week. Um, we have a packed show. Not really two topics, really Venom and Infinity War, but a lot to discuss about those two topics. Uh, and to go back to what Nick said, I do not know what episode this is, even though I did count them. Uh, and thought I had an accurate number. It's 48, you said? Yes. All right. Welcome to episode 48 of Geek Vibes Live. Thank you, Nick. Uh, perfect. Wow. I sound more professional. Um, all right. So let's pretty much get into it, guys. Let's talk a little bit of Venom. Uh, Sony, uh, I believe it was during the week uh, at CinemaCon, released the official trailer. But we know geeks love to have their phones out, and we got a horrible version of the trailer uh, that night, and then Sony was like, all right, well, you guys suck, so I guess we'll release the official version. Um, So we got the official version, and man, does it not disappoint. We see a lot more about what the story is going to be. We see a lot more about what Eddie Brock is. Um, And then the ultimate payoff, we see Venom. And he looks amazing and in all of his glory. Uh, Nick, I will go to you first. What were your initial thoughts on the uh, on the trailer? Um, and did you have any likes or dislikes about what we saw? 
Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think I had any dislikes, man. I mean, it looks, it looks super awesome. Um, I was probably the biggest fan of the first trailer when that was released. Um, I mean, it didn't show hardly anything, uh, but it, it gave me enough to where I was like, all right, cool. Like, I like what I'm seeing here. And this just kind of doubles down on all of that. And it's like, all right, like, we're going to show you a little bit more now. We're going to give you little hints at the story. Uh, I think the Eddie Brock character seems super fascinating, investigative reporter, um, you know, reporting on this, this kind of uh, corrupt business that has gotten into some shady shit. Uh, and he just so happens to uh, essentially, you know, be in love or be dating uh, a woman whose law firm represents the company. So there's there's all of these already, like, cool connections that I'm excited to see how they play out within the movie because uh, those can play out in a number of ways. But uh, as far as the setup of it all, I like it. I really like the fact that you have, like, a whistleblower-type um, kind of coming to Eddie, you know, and and of course it's unclear whether that is before uh, before he he gets uh, essentially thrown out of the building with the interview. Um, we don't know whether that's before or after, but that's an intriguing part of the story as well. Probably not going to end up very good for her, I would imagine. Um, and then also just just Venom itself. I mean, the scene where they show up to you know, basically confront him and, and, you know, get the symbiote back. And yes, I will, I will just, I'm, I'm, I have symbiote, symbiote, whatever. I've always said, uh, symbiote. That's, that's how I say it. So I'm just going to keep saying it how I've always said it. Um, but, uh, but before, you know, they, they show up to get the symbiote back essentially. And like his reaction when, when Venom just kind of takes over and is like throwing these guys around that like look on his face where he just puts up his hands. He's like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Um, that was great. Uh, and that's why I think Tom Hardy was just so uh, imperative to have for a movie like this. Like his, his acting ability is just second to no one. And I think he's going to bring so much to this character and I just can't wait to see it all play out. And of course, just, you know, having the little inner monologues between he and, and the symbiote and Venom um, is, is super, super cool. And just finally getting to see what, what we're going to be looking at for Venom, uh, he does look pretty badass, I must say. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And the, the biggest thing um, that I enjoyed was uh, him being an investigative uh, journalist pretty much. Uh, yeah. I love that idea because we saw different iterations of what uh, Eddie Brock was. We saw from the cartoon, weirdly, he was a scientist. Not scientist, an astronaut, I'm sorry. Um, we saw in Spider-Man 3, he was a photographer. Um, so it's good that they went this route. I think this is this is fine. This is a really good route to go. It makes a lot more sense. Um, and I honestly don't really want to see Tom Hardy as an astronaut or a strictly a photographer. Uh, so I think this is perfectly uh, a perfect like job for uh, Eddie Brock. Well, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock to have. Um, but Dane, I will go to you. What were your thoughts on the trailers, and did you have any dislikes, or uh, and what were your likes? I know you just asked me, so I, I'm gonna let you know. I, I'm gonna pronounce it Sin Boy Oats like that, <laughs> like really overpronounce all three of those syllables. Anyways. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I was a big fan of the trailer, actually. I really liked it. Um, for everyone freaking out, saying, oh, man, there's not going to be actually, like, Venom in the movie, because the last one, you know, decided to be mysterious for fucking once and not reveal everything. Um, I'm good with them showing what they showed us. I think it was just enough to get me more intrigued. And, it, I mean, I know it's Sony making it, and I guess that's kind of they, – they come from the same family. If, if you look at the Sony Spider-Man films, Kevin Feige had a big hand in those. So it still came off like an MCU film, but like a darker one about this specific character. And I like that Eddie Brock's actually a good guy. It's the, the Sin Boy Oat that jumps on top of him and can possibly make him a villain because it's a murder machine, if you will. And they kind of, the, the interactions of him talking to it comes from the comic books and they're finally really delving deep into that. And I, I liked all those different aspects. I love Michelle Williams. I love Riz Ahmed as not uh, Norman Osborn or whatever the hell character he's playing. Um, cool. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, that they're not giving this away in the movie really, but since they're doing all these testings, and this is something for, I forgot what the name of the foundation is that Riz Ahmed's character owns, but right. that is one that, yes, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, that in the comic books is one that caused, uh, you know, all the other symbiotes that, that happened um, in Marvel. So you've got Scream and a lot of the other ones that came out from that. Um, I don't remember the specific name. So uh, what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is I think we're going to see Carnage at least get developed maybe later on, and I'm hoping that whether the the uh, the rumors of Woody Harrelson playing uh, Cletus Cassidy is true or not, or it's another actor, I hope he gets it and they save him for another film. Um, I don't even want to see him fighting Venom necessarily. Maybe it's something else completely, but this really got me excited. I thought it was a good trailer. And the eyes did not bother me on Venom. Um, I'm saying that because I've heard that complaint, um, not just from online, but uh, from friends of mine too, uh, and that seems to be something that they wanted to Todd McFarlane big, uh, white eyes, and it's – I don't really care. I think it looks fucking awesome. So that didn't really bother me. The, the way the symbiote went on top of his face and, and, and morphed and everything and said, we are Venom, was awesome. So really looking forward to it. And uh, Sin Boyd, I think I pronounced it wrong twice uh, from what I said I was going to pronounce it as at least uh, during my evaluation. But I don't really give a shit. So there you go. I uh, I also uh, think Dane to to piggyback on what you were saying, um, like when when it has that little scene where he's walking down the street and he says essentially like all right if you're gonna hang around like we can only hurt bad people and then it cuts to a scene that's not like I, it, it doesn't look like it's in the same exact you know uh, like following that part but you know he, he basically is thrown up against a wall and basically you know Venom says the way I see it, we can do whatever we want. Um, I think that could lend a lot of credence to your, to your idea of him kind of starting off good, but the more venom takes over, the more evil he gets. It's a good point. Um, yeah, no, uh, the, the biggest thing that I took from, um, kind of what you were saying, one, I want to say, Dane, I agree with you. I personally don't think from the look of this venom, I don't think the huge eyes work. I'm fine with how they did the eyes. Um, the idea of him having to have these humongous white eyes, I never understood. To me, it has to translate and look good. And I think the way that they, the route that they went, it's fine. It, it's perfect. To me, our Very alien. Was, right. But to me, remember what our biggest thing was uh, almost a year ago when we heard that they were doing this movie? We were like, 
first of all, let's just make sure Tom Hardy doesn't drop out of this, like, <laughs> before you guys actually start, because we know that's something that could happen over at Sony. And two, we were just concerned that it would be a good movie. So now that it looks like it is a good movie, we then, and I'm not talking about us, I just mean us as the, the fan base, we then can't then look for things to complain about. Like, just be happy we could get a Venom movie that works and is good from Sony. So that, that's my biggest thing. I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to complain much because I didn't think much of this movie when I first heard about it. So now that everything has come together and it looks good, I'm not going to look for things to complain about. I'm going to just try to accept it and hope that when I sit in the theater and see it, I leave saying, man, Sony did an amazing job on this. Um, Wait, Juwan. Making... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Did, did you just say that the Internet should stop complaining about everything basically in a roundabout way? <laughs> Well, it's, because it's I fucking agree. It's, like, it's one of those things where it's like they'll they'll complain about, oh man, you shouldn't even make a Venom movie, right? And then it's like, all right, the movie gets made anyway. They give a trailer, and then instead of you just saying, man, you know what, looks pretty good, you know, I didn't really have much hype uh, for it when I first heard about it, but it looks pretty good. I'll wait till after I see it to give more of my possible complaint. No, people are like, no, let me just complain. And then after they see it, the same people that were complaining are going to go, man, I love that Venom movie. So then if, if, if what you're going to do every movie is complain, see it, and then go, man, I loved it, why not just wait until after you see it? Like, hold your about, criticism until after you see it. How about everyone that likes to complain constantly about things that they apparently like, just go jump into a fucking volcano? Because I'm done dealing with the repercussions of your stupidity and ignorance. I'm just done with it. Um, well, yeah, that is, it's, it's funny, too, because, like, remember when we got the first uh, Infinity War trailer? Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to segue here. I know we still want to talk Venom a little bit more before we move on. But when we got the first Infinity War trailer, how people were complaining so much about Thanos without the helmet on. Um, right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think any of them are complaining anymore. Just, just No, that, that's my point. Wait until you see it to then complain because everything you're complaining about, you have no idea on whether or not you'll actually see that in the course of the movie. So if you complain just, about and then if you trailer, complain again, complain. jump in a volcano if you complain again after that. Though. Just go for <laughs> yeah, it. Go no, to I'm Fiji. See the fucking islands and um, shit and then jump in the volcano. Um, but no, I had two theories on this Venom uh, trailer and the idea of the Venom series that I wanted to throw at you guys. One of them was, um, Dane, I heard what you were saying about Venom, and I completely agree with you. I do not want to see that Venom, uh, not Venom, I'm sorry, Carnage. I don't want to see the, uh, the actual symbiote be attached to anybody in this movie. But what I kept thinking was, what if the route they go for this movie is, uh, obviously we see Riz Ahmed is trying to get these symbiotes to attach uh, and bond uh, to people and see if he can then control them as weapons is what it seems like. Um, so what if we get the Venom family or uh, to where we see some of those test subjects, it actually does bond, and we see Venom take on whether it's one or two of the other subjects that actually were able to bond with the symbiote. And then obviously after Venom defeats them, Riz Ahmed you know, is with like one of the scientists or whatever, and, and they go, should we break this out because we obviously need to get, like he's out of control and we need that suit back uh, or the symbiote back rather. I'm sorry. Um, and then Riz Ahmed kind of looks down and you see the symbiote like jumping, like jumping. And it's just, it's like pure red. 
So we know, boom, Carnage is coming in the next movie. So then what you could do in the next movie is Venom versus Carnage, and then you could end the, the trilogy with Spider-Man versus Venom. Boom. Great way to, to create a trilogy, One, a way that works, so that way you get Venom versus Venom family. Uh, then the second one, you get Venom versus Carnage, and then you end it, hopefully, with Venom versus Spider-Man. And then, to me, all fans should be happy. That seems like a, a more logical way to go, because um, I, I think it'd be a waste if you have Venom just fighting like soldiers with guns, like as like the the big bads of of this movie, it'll be a waste. Have one of those symbiotes, uh, you know that that you attach to one of your test subjects. Have it work, and you try to use that to to take on Venom to get it back um, from Eddie Brock. And then when that doesn't work, your your ace of the hole is the the carnage. And then you you know you take a test subject from prison which would be a great setup for that, and you find the perfect insane person uh, that that can bond with, and then boom, second movie, Carnage vs. Venom. Uh, Dane, since this is kind of like your idea that you were leading with, I'll go, go to you first. What do you think about how I kind of set up a possible trilogy uh, for Venom to go on? Well, I like the setup. Um, the way that I would differ from it is that maybe – the symbiote, uh, symbiote, whatever the fuck, symbiote, if you will, um, maybe they do kind of like a normal movie trope. So basically they have the Venom symbiote. It escapes, obviously gets on Eddie. Rizar Med's character makes an even more powerful version, that type of thing. You know, it could be red, whatever. At the end of the movie, it's destroying the lab, killing people, jumping from person to person to find a perfect host. And Venom has to take on that type of concept, and at the end of it, for whatever reason, they decide to bring aboard a, uh, you know, a serial killer like Cletus Cassidy, and he's in one of the cages, and we know his name, maybe if Woody Harrelson is playing him, we know right away that who the hell he is for the complex fans, and if you don't, they explain, this is a serial killer, so it can kind of like, you know, at the end of it, they think it's dead, or they destroyed it, it comes out of the drain in his cell, or something to that extent, jumps on him, and that just sets up the next movie. And maybe the next movie they can call Maximum Carnage uh, based on the storyline. I wish that Spider-Man would be available for that. Um, if they don't have it attached by then, you can kind of still do something with the characters they're building up within this universe possibly, unless you want to save that for the third one and just have it like you said, where it's Venom versus Carnage the first time. And I would even make the third one more Venom and Spider-Man versus Carnage, possibly. Like, maybe Venom loses and stuff happens. Maybe Michelle Williams ends the second one. But it's definitely got to have those two uh, going at it. And then you can, you know, set up stuff for Toxin, Anti-Venom. There's a lot of great uh, symbiote, symbiote characters, uh, Scream, that you can kind of set up for later on to be developed within this whole entire thing. If you decide to not be a part of the MCU, or if you do. Obviously, you can tell all of us want Peter Parker to be involved in this fucking thing. The coolest concept, is that even though it's not there, is Venom walking up to Peter Parker's Spider-Man, seeing his symbol on his chest, and then the symbiote morphing it into the white symbol that we all know because of that, like just seeing that. So obviously they're going in a good direction, but that, I, like, I like your idea and your premise. I kind of just would do certain aspects a little bit differently to kind of set up storyline, but same, same, same thing, same road, if you will, different vehicle. Yeah, Lamborghini. I like that. I like that. Same road, different vehicle. Uh, Nick, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, would you do it 
any differently, or would you kind of go along the lines of kind of where me and Dane were at with it? Uh, it would it would mostly be the same. I mean, I like the the notion of uh, you know essentially him him getting the the symbiote attached to him, uh, and then you know having to continue his quest to kind of take down um, take down the uh, the life uh, organization um, or, or whatever it's whatever it's it's life something, um, but uh, institution maybe. Um, but where I would differ is I would I would almost kind of have it as um, like Venom Venom doesn't like so Brock wants to take down the corporation Venom wants to kill all the other symbiotes because he doesn't want to have any competition so their goals are different but they 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 kind of meet in the middle um, as far as you know what each of those characters is kind of trying to achieve. Um, so that's kind of what my take on it would be is is that's why Venom is is so intent on helping Eddie Brock, uh, but then again he's got you know or it has its own objectives, uh, like really give a personality to that uh, character, um, and and you know show the duality of Eddie Brock versus Venom. Um, so that's that's where I would differ maybe a little bit, uh, but I do like the idea of him him taking on essentially like scream and and well i i can't remember there's like five of them from the comics um and it doesn't have to be five but like essentially it looks like there's two it looks like there's two different um at least from what we can see in the trailer there's uh there's one attached to um eddie and then there's one uh like floating there uh you know behind it looks maybe a little bluer uh and then it looks like it like the there was a woman uh who kind of leaps out at Eddie. Um so it looks like she has some of it. I don't know if it's going to if if that'll just be Venom and if that then it transfers to him or you know what exactly. Um but uh but also biggest thing uh so he you know he fights you know the life uh corporation uh institution whatever. Um essentially wins but how I would differ as far as introducing Carnage is at the end of the movie he like turns himself in. He like manages to to get a little bit of control um, in in order to to turn himself in. And then when he does, uh, like you could do like a post credit scene or something of him in jail and just like Woody Harrelson just sitting there and you know basically says um, introduces himself as Cletus Cassidy. And so like it would just kind of just like lead right into the next one. Um, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to do much more than that. Um, as far as getting, getting fans hyped, uh, for what going to happen in the future. Um, yeah. Uh, and then as far as what I would do after that, I mean, I would like, ideally what I would like to see is, you know, essentially Venom take back over, uh, and, before he ends up fighting Carnage in the second Venom movie, we get Venom to appear in a Spider-Man movie. Um, like, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but that would be the most ideal situation. So they could already have a relationship established um, and then have to team up with each other in the second Venom movie uh, in order to take down Carnage. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I completely like that. My, my other idea was, um, and it wasn't maybe the best or whatever, but it was idea I kind of just quickly thought of the last time I saw the uh, the trailer um, was the idea of uh, Eddie Brock and them, like, as they're walking uh, down the street, maybe not that same scene where we see him talking to Venom, 
you know how and I've never seen this in real life. I don't even think this really exists in real life. But like, there's always that store that sells TVs, and they always have that one television that only plays the news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like, <laughs> yes. Um, I was thinking like it could be a scene to where whether it's an in credit scene or, or whatever, uh, that Eddie Brock walked by, sees Spider Man like doing like in a battle of some sort from at some point of him being Spider Man, and Venom sees the uh, the logo on Spider Man's chest. And tries to mimic it, and that's how he gets the uh, the the spider logo on his chest. Uh, that was just an idea I had. wasn't the best idea, like anything special. But I was just like, that's a nice little cute way to show that Spider Man is in that same universe, um, and that's how he gets the logo on his chest. Uh, but Dane, tell me how dumb that idea is. <laughs> no, I, I mean I kind of I said something similar to that. I mean that would kind of be a good way to that as far as if they meet since – all right, well, actually, I, I was going to kind of say this anyways. I, from Infinity War, it looks like if Venom is happening as a movie comes out before Avengers 4, I don't think we're going to see a scene with Peter Parker, like we were talking about, giving off the symbiote onto um, Eddie Brock. So I don't think any of that's going to happen. So to connect them, that would be a cool little Easter egg is if they, they actually interact – and Venom's, you know, symbiote forms in the actual, uh, you know, uh, yellow or white, if you will. Um, uh, what the fuck? Why can't I think of spider? Yeah, spider. I couldn't remember what a spider was. Um, white spider. Uh, that, and maybe even, like, it starts morphing actual web like him, like it does in the actual comics. Maybe it starts trying to act like a spider because of what it sees from Spider-Man. I don't know if they're going to do that. That would be really cool. Um, I just want to see some type of interaction eventually between these Sony characters that they're building and Tom Holland Spider-Man. No, I, I completely agree. The biggest thing that I was hoping that they would do that is we all agree if this movie does not like isn't huge in the box office, the likelihood of Kevin Feige wanting to have that character in the MCU, as far as like a character he didn't uh, have his hands on, like directly involved in. Uh, is somewhat slim. And if you're Sony, you can't then make any other uh, spinoff movie because if Venom doesn't work, Silver Silver Cat or whatever else they were trying to do, that's definitely not going to work. Um, so that flushes like half of your ideas that you were trying to create um, down the toilet. So a lot's riding on this movie. So one thing that would get a lot of people extremely interested in, and we're talking casual moviegoers, not, not uh, comic fans, is the idea of knowing that Spider-Man interacts with this character a lot of people may, never, may have never heard of before. Um, you know, Spider-Man is something that even the most casual of person would have heard about. So the idea of, like, by word of mouth, someone going, oh, man, guess who was in that Venom movie? Like, there was a scene where, like, you see Spider-Man on TV or whatever. Someone will go, wait, wait, it's, it's connected to Spider-Man? And then they might feel like, if they miss that, they might miss something on Spider-Man's next movie. So that might get them interested in going to see it. Um, but Nick, excuse me, I'm sorry. What were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it could work. I mean, it, it, it's um, it's it, like I don't I don't dislike it. I don't love it either. I mean, I would I would probably rather just like not see the emblem show up and then somehow try to connect that later. Um, like I don't mind seeing Spider-Man on on the television at all. But as far as like 
the emblem. Like, I think you would want a like a an actual connection to Spider-Man. So maybe like the maybe it's just as simple as like you don't really ever see. Um, uh, maybe it could work like you would have Spider-Man get get the symbiote from Eddie Brock instead of the other way around. Same thing. Yeah, but then, but then the you know the symbiote because it's drawn to Peter Parker because of his power. But obviously Peter you know doesn't want it. Um, and at that point Eddie Brock has become obsessed with it. Like he he thought he didn't want to have it, but after having it for so long and then not having it, like heroin him, almost. Yeah, like and so maybe you have him like it's essentially being an investigative reporter hiding in plain sight trying to track down. Um, Peter Parker and, and Spider-Man so he can uh, so he can get back the symbiote. Um, and then then it would have taken on many of the personas of, of Peter Parker or Spider-Man or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean there's there's definitely ways you could do it. Um, uh, like I said, like I don't I don't need um, I'm not like Joel, I don't need the emblem on the chest. That's it's not a not a big deal for me. Well, my I, I, I like what he's saying though. My biggest issue, and I, I don't want to speak for Joel, who should be calling in uh, very shortly. Um, the, my necessity for the emblem comes if you're telling me that Spider-Man is in that same universe. Um, because it, it, it already bugs me that you're having Venom created with no Spider-Man. So then it's like, if in that, if in that same movie, even if it's an end credit scene, we see some connection to Tom Holland's Peter Parker Spider-Man, that would drive me a little crazy because it's like, well, then you could have found a way to integrate that to where we could have gotten the emblem somewhere in that movie. Uh, because already for you to create Venom with no Spider-Man drives me insane, but now I feel like you're just rubbing it in my face. <laughs> like, all right, we're, we just didn't want to do the emblem here, but look, Spider-Man exists here. And then it's just like, that to me... Doesn't make any sense. It's not a deal breaker or anything for me. Like if they don't have it, I'm not gonna leave that movie and go. Well, I hated it because they didn't have the emblem. But I think it is somewhat of a slap in the face if you don't have the emblem, but later in that movie there is some kind of connection. Because then it's just like, all right, well, what are you guys doing then? Like, what's happening? I, I, I don't get. Come. I just think it makes more sense that that way though. Like I don't, I don't know why just seeing Spider-Man would would have Venom. Like I said, well, I, I guess I'm, have... I'm 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 the opposite of you, Juwan. Like if if your idea happened, like I wouldn't h- hate it, but I I feel like that would be weirder to me than than him just not getting the emblem in this movie. But Dane, no, I was just gonna say. I mean, if anything, all you need is some type of scene where they meet each other for the first time, whether it be a Venom movie or a Spider-Man movie. If we're connecting everything, and like you said, maybe you could do this in a scene. Because this is not the same build-up. This is not the complex, guys. You know, we're, we're not having him on Peter and that whole storyline with the costume and everything, and then it gets on to Eddie. That's not how it works. So with this, if it starts off with Eddie first, maybe in a fight scene, symbiote is, is, is annoyed and done with dealing with Eddie about trying to make him rational or non-murderous or whatnot, whatever. And during the battle, it senses the power level of Peter and decides to jump on it. And Peter throughout the battle gets it off of him and it jumps back on Eddie. And maybe while it's on him, it kind of takes some traits from him that Venom are, is not going to have, like I said, like the, the normal, you know, spider webbing and stuff like that. And that because of the fact that it actually made it a, 
an, an attachment to Peter Parker and kind of got his DNA a little bit and kind of copied certain traits from his powers and even a look, you know, wise, and then jumps back onto Eddie and kind of like, that's all you would really need for that type of interaction. I just don't understand. My question is, why did Amy Pascal and Sony say, yeah, Peter, like, I don't understand why Peter can be the only one that attaches the MCU to this universe of characters with the same concept. If we're going to have the TV universe be separate by itself, but still part of the same universe, you can still do the same thing with these characters and have Peter be the only, I don't know why they'd be like, here's our main character. You know, they have this whole setup where, you know, if, if Peter's an Avengers movie, they make the money. If they make a Spider-Man movie, they make the money. Sony makes the money. But, but then Kevin Feige puts his foot down on them using their main character. Like, I, I just don't know. What I'm trying to say is I don't know if we all know exactly what's going to happen because even if Kevin is saying one thing, I, I just don't know how he could hold that character hostage from the rest of its characters. Um, but then again, I don't know how, like I said, how it was worded out. But I'm hoping eventually there is some connection. I think that there is a loss in potential of fleshing out the universe without Spider-Man. I think that's really dumb. Yeah, you can put Venom in that type of position, but if you're thinking about using Craven or, or Morbius, these characters would be a hell of a lot better and beneficial to flesh out Spider-Man's world and even the Sinister Six and other type of things like that. So, like I said, eventually I'd like to see a connection to some level. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing Kevin Feige is trying to say is, um, as far as him putting down his foot is, like, Amy Amy is pretty much saying, like, oh, yeah, you could see Venom in the MCU. I think what he's trying to say is, well, you don't control what happens in the MCU. I do. So if I don't want your Venom in my MCU, it won't happen. But I do not think he could stop Spider-Man from being in Venom's world. So I think that's where she was coming from when she was saying, well, you could see Spider-Man in Venom, or you could see Venom in Spider-Man. I think what Kevin Feige is trying to say is, and we've discussed this, if this Venom movie does not do well, Kevin Feige won't want to come anywhere near it. So I think what he's trying to do is say, if there's any discussions about Venom coming into the MCU, let that be something we discuss privately. But as far as the main, like, you know, the audience, all they need to know is Venom is in his own world, MCU is in theirs. Until we get to a point to where we're comfortable merging the two, there is no connection at, at this point. And, I, I mean, I kind of get where he's coming from because from a business standpoint, Sony yeah, doesn't have sense. the greatest track record. So I wouldn't be quick to just be like, yeah, all right, we're all one big family, and then, it, and then it's a big dud, and then you kind of have to go, like, where do you go from there? Like, if you don't want to do any more Venom movies, do you just tell Tom Holland? I mean, not Tom Holland. Tom Hardy, sorry, but this was it. <laughs> so – you know, it's kind of a situation I don't, if I'm Kevin Feige. No, I'll I tell you where you go from in. there. You say, hey, Tom, what do, you, what do you think about being Wolverine <laughs> instead? Yeah, no shit. Oh, right, right. No, as far as Tom, Tom Hardy, there's plenty you could do with him. I just met uh, him playing Venom. Like, right. if it just yeah, didn't do that. well, if I'm Kevin Feige, I don't want to keep doing more Venom movies, <laughs> like, if it didn't work. Um, right. So I guess that's kind of why he's putting his foot down so much, because it's just like, he doesn't handle things in, in the media. Like he see. handles things behind doors. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you because Kevin Feige does lie a lot also. So <laughs> anything could happen. Uh, but we won't know until after October when Venom comes out. Um, but I was trying to uh, stretch this Venom conversation 
to give Joel time to get on, but he's still not on, so we're going to jump right into Infinity War. Um, this movie, I believe, Dane, you just posted this, um, is now the highest opening, uh, has the highest box office opening uh, weekend, I believe. It just beat Force Awakens. Yep. Take that, Star Wars! Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, yeah take I, that other other branch of Disney. Our branch of Disney <laughs> is the best branch of Disney. I was about to say, if I'm Disney, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, man, this is still me. <laughs> I'm sure. like, oh, man, this movie just beat so – oh, wait, no, that's still us. Oh, okay, yeah, life is great. Um, but, no, uh, this is, again, no shock to anyone. I do not think any of us are shocked that it did it. I think we'd be more shocked if it didn't do it. Um the fun will be to see if this movie has legs going forward. And I don't mean that like it's not going to make money. Um, I just mean that as far as we saw how long Black Panther was in theaters uh, and how long that was. I think it still is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it would be interesting to see if Infinity Took in another 10 million next. this last weekend. Yeah. Right. Um, what will be interesting about Infinity War's legs is Black Panther, uh, although it was very serious, was still a fun, loving, charming movie. Infinity right. War, outside of the comedy that you had in there, is kind of pretty dark. And the biggest thing is, after a like while, a parents movie. will learn. <laughs> I like that. Um, parents will learn they can't really take their young kids to go see this. So <laughs> they're learning this weekend. <laughs> they're learning this weekend. Um, a lot of these parents learn from BBS, lots of crying. Like, a lot of these parents learn from BVS, like maybe all superhero movies aren't something I should take my kids to. Um, yeah, at least at least but, Deadpool got out in front of it and was like, yeah, this isn't a movie for your kids, idiots, stupid parents. Yeah, absolutely. Don't bring your kids to this absolutely. movie. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think what a lot of parents see is, like, they see Iron Man, they see the Marvel logo, and they assume it's, it's kids-friendly. Um, yeah. And when we say it's, it's not kids-friendly, we don't mean like... It's not. It's right. It's like rated R or anything. It's just like if you don't want to have to worry about your kid having nightmares or just being like scared shitless for like the next week, um, this is definitely a movie a five or six year old shouldn't really be seeing. Um, no. <laughs> I would definitely say twelve, thirteen, and up. Um, but you know, you as a parent, you decide. Uh, we're not here to tell you how to raise your kids. But all I'm saying is, I saw BVS in theaters and watch this little boy's life leave his body when Superman died. So I don't know how, I don't know how kids would react after seeing Infinity War. Well, um, and also, also too, we're, we're, we're not here to tell you how to raise your kids, but don't let them talk in the fucking movie theater. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so in that, in that respect, I am here to tell you, like, it, it, at least just have public fucking decorum. I, I had a yeah, kid talking in the – I had like a, th- a three- or four-year-old talking in the back of the theater the whole movie at my showing. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, little, I'm a little pissed. Well, see, I had a crying baby in, in mind. I, I still to this day don't get how you think that would ever work. Like how you think your baby, which is an infant, at some point of that two-hour and 36-minute movie would not start crying. Like right. you just please – and I get it. Some parents can't find babysitting, and they still want to be able to live their lives. I get it. But we shouldn't have to suffer because you want to still live your life. Like, that's your kid. That, that's for you to, to have to go through life with, not us. 
Um, but let's let's get into Infinity War. Um, I want us to start with, and Nick, I'm going to start with you. I want you to start with the first act um, and what your initial thoughts were of the first act. I don't. Uh, we can then go into like our favorite scenes and stuff, but I want you to break down your thoughts of the first act right from the jump. By the way, before I pass it to you, Nick, let me just say this, Russo brother. Very genius of of you to start this movie. Usually Marvel movies start with a song. You see the, the, the scroll of the pages roll and everything. What a beautiful way to start this very disastrous movie in a good way uh, by just having it just so somber. It started so somber. Um, but, Nick, what was your original thoughts of the first act of Infinity War? Sure, but first, Dane, I think you're making a shit ton of noise. You're not on mute. Um, <laughs> just, I'm not on mute? No, you're not. Nope. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, the first act, it, it's weird because it doesn't really follow an act structure um, because there are so many different narratives going on. Um, so my biggest, my biggest thing, like, in, in breaking it down would be to say the fact that they were able to balance this many characters uh, was very incumbent upon them being in different locations, and they, they did that so brilliantly. Uh, you can't have like 40 or 50 characters all in the same location because like how do you have any character development or character interaction? So I guess I would start by saying, um, you know, as far as far as the way it opens, uh, I mean it was it was pretty non-child friendly from the start uh, when Thanos just straight up snaps Loki's neck. Like I was like, oh damn, like Disney, whoa, like y'all y'all are taking it there, like. It wasn't. It was. I would say it's probably about. Uh, you know, it's not R-rated, but it, it's probably about on par with like um, uh, um, Tom Hardy's Bane breaking uh, Batman's back. Like that was like, you know, that was like, damn, dude. Like, um, but it was. It, it was a little more expected in that in that sort of realm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, that was that was awesome to 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 see him like kind of uh, battle it out with Hulk um, to see Loki kind of make the, make the right decision, even though it cost him everything. Um, that was, that was really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm glad they killed Heimdall because I've said for a long time that Idris Elba deserved a bigger role. Um, and the, like the fact that he never really got it, like I'm glad hopefully this frees him up to go see, do something awesome in the DCEU is, is I've got my fingers crossed for that. Um, and you know, it, it, then it kind of you know jumps to jumps to New York, and you get that group of characters, um, which which I thought was great. Like you you get you get your Doctor Strange, uh, and and uh, Banner, and Tony Stark, and Spider Man, and so now you're you're you know on the ride with those characters, and then it, you know as soon as as soon as they kind of end up on the ship. Uh, it, you know, it cuts again to take you over to see, you know, what's to pick up. I think it goes to what's going on with Thor. Um, and so the, the way that they, the way that they were able to achieve this movie starting off at one point at the end of Thor Ragnarok in, in the first act, starting off with the end of Thor Ragnarok and, you know, having that uh, lead into earth by sending banner there and having the New York uh, crew, um, there and then you know following them 
and of course Thanos sends his kind of minions down to Earth at, at you know sends two of them to go do the New York thing, and then the other two of them to go find Vision and Wanda, um, and of course that's how they bring in Cap and and uh, all the Secret Avengers. So like I, I just thought that the structure really blew me away from the start, and you really don't feel like they linger on anything too long. You feel like, you know, and they don't stay away from anything too long to where you're like, wait, wait, where, where were they again? Uh, what's going on with them again? Like I never felt lost at, at any point in the movie. And that's just a testament to the Russo brothers and what they're able to do. It's just, it's amazingly effective um, how they were able to pull this off. I, I, I feel like, like watching, uh, like, Going into Avengers, a lot of people were skeptical as to how they could pull that off. And, like, that's just, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, Joss Whedon, I can't believe it. Like, he pulled this off. He's amazing. And he did. He did great. But it's like, now looking back on that, it's like, yeah, like, you did a great job, but, like, that ain't shit compared to what the Russo brothers just pulled off. Um, Because it it was just amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's the biggest thing, just the setup that they that they delivered um going into it. Everybody had a purpose. Um you had, you know, the the four different minions pairing off and going to, you know, find the two different infinity stones on Earth, and then you had Thanos obviously going uh to nowhere to, to retrieve the reality stone himself. Uh which it was just perfect setup. Everything was put together so well uh, kind of blended seamlessly, and then even like having when when they find Thor, having Thor go off on you know a little side quest um, to build to you know basically uh, build Stormbreaker uh, with uh, the rabbit, which that was fucking awesome. I love Sweet that he brought him a rabbit um, uh, and Groot, and then you had the you know the rest of the team uh, essentially going to nowhere, and then how they all kind of. Uh, go on their different paths after that. Like, obviously, you get them showing up on Titan because of Nebula, giving them the message uh, as far as Star-Lord and them, and then obviously uh, Thor and, and his his uh, his mini-team going down to Earth. Uh, just so, yeah, that's, that's the biggest takeaway from this uh, for me, and I know I probably dipped into a little bit more than just the first act, but just the structure and how the pacing and everything just blended together so, so well. Yeah, um, before I go into responding to what you say, I would like to introduce Joel is here. <sighs> Joel, what's going on? God damn it. Oh, I made it. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, I put Joel in while you were talking, Nick. I didn't want to stop you to then go, all right, Joel's here, everyone. So I was like, all right, let me let Nick finish. <laughs> I appreciate it. And then I can introduce Joel. I also was like, all right, I didn't want to put Joel in and then have him think, like, it was a moment where he could say something while you were talking. But I also didn't want him to have to sit there and listen to that waiting room music. So I was like, all right, I'm going to just hope Joel knows <laughs> dun, 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 to say dun, anything. Dun, uh, but no, uh, dun, dun, I will say dun, dun, the biggest thing I wanted to say to you, Nick, was because you are not the only one who keeps referring to them as that. Um, so I don't want you to think I'm coming right for you. Um, it is the Black Order, Thanos' children. Um, yep. And I, I've i learned a lot of people. They're minions. It is children, not as minions. They're, they're, um, they're, they're minions. 
That's exactly what they are. What are what are minions? They're like pissons who can't get the job no, done. That's yellow. a minion. They're, they're that's those what they things. were. No, they're those, yep. minions are those yellow things. Um, Shut no, up. <laughs> I have learned. Um, I thought they would uh, receive. I think those yellow things were um, more effective than the Black Order, but but go on. That's really <laughs> shitty. Uh, Did you see their solo movie? Because you, you know how much I love the Black Order. Anyway, <laughs> that's a good point, um, Dave. <laughs> No, I have learned, though, that a lot of people don't uh, – not only do they not know who the Black Order uh, are, but the interest in them I thought would be a lot bigger than it turned out to be. Um, I actually read, leading up to the this movie, uh, the Infinity com- uh, comic, to where it was the, the whole story of um, Thanos using the Black Order – to uh, obviously retrieve the the Infinity Stones that the um, uh, the Illuminati had spread all across the uh, the the universe, and in the comics, the way they used the Black Order was just it had me super hyped for uh, what I could possibly see in this. Nick, me and you, I think two weeks ago even said um, you have to have the Black Order kill someone. Like you know, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily all have to be Thanos killing someone. Uh, but obviously, after seeing the movie, it just was a lot better that way. Um, but I do think the Russos viewed the Black Order the same way you view the Black Order, Nick, uh, to where they were only lackeys. They only served a very small purpose. Um, I had unfortunately got my hopes up for them to actually mean more, uh, them to kind of showcase more, for them to do more, um, some of them maybe to survive this movie. Uh, but I understand what the Russos were doing. I, I truly do. I have no issues with how they actually went about using the Black Order. I just wish we saw them really kick ass a little bit more. Because um, one of the biggest things that bugged me was when Vision uh, stabs Corvus uh, Glaive with uh, his, his sword. In the comics, Corvus Glaive can't die unless the sword is destroyed. Like, his body can uh, reform as long as that staff is always intact. So when they killed him off that way, I was just like, oh, so the Russo brothers are just like, we don't give any shits about the Black Order. So I was like, all right, I I have to live with it. Um, But I just wanted to bring that up because I know a lot of people could care less about them, but I thought maybe if I brought up that they had a huger arc in the comic that they were way more badass, it might just – sparked some kind of interest in uh, who those characters actually are and more than just what the Russo showed us in the movie. But whatever, Black Order guys, um, they are pretty cool, more than just what you saw in Infinity War. Um, but, Dane, I will go to you. Uh, what were your thoughts of the first act? And if you, want, if you would like to follow Nick's, uh, Nick's breakdown and kind of dig a little deeper past the, the first act, you can. Uh, but what were your thoughts on the first act of Infinity War? Again, really quickly, I didn't really, I didn't mean to. I just like, I don't. It, like I said, there's not really an act structure. Like I don't know where you would, where oh. you would consider the first act ending. <laughs> oh no, no. I, you I like you ever know that? So I was trying to tell Dane that he didn't have to be handicapped to Word. just focusing on just that because I agree with you. Uh, the way they set it up was that it was not necessarily one act, two act. Uh, it, it all kind of just flowed right. Um, so I, I agree with you. It wasn't to take a shot. It was just to let Dane know that he didn't have to be handicapped yeah, yeah. only talking about just the, the first act. Uh, but go ahead, Dane. 
I feel like the kid in class that's like up in line and the kid in front of me, like I have like this whole concept when I'm about to like ask or, or tell and then the person in front of me kind of just does all that. And now I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck do I talk about? Uh, but, so Sorry, I'll go back and comment on a couple of things that you guys are talking about. Uh, the Black Order, I, I like them. Uh, it's something I want to go back and uh, read more about. They, they seem, and I, I think people are going to take this the wrong way, but Marvel and DC has had a thing about being very tribute-like uh, towards certain characters. Jim Starlin wrote New Gods um, uh, for a while after Jack Kirby had stopped writing the comic books. And then when he went to Marvel, he missed writing Darkseid. So a lot of Thanos is built up of, of, of uh, Darkseid. Um, and so this seems like, and you know, I mean, DC just did this with the Terrifics uh, being kind of like their version of the Fantastic Four. Uh, with a bunch of characters that have similar powers and stuff like that. So this has been going on for a long time. The Black Order seemed very much, very similar to Dark Side Blackies, where uh, they have a general, a male general at Steppenwolf. They have a female general that's Brady Goodness. Uh, they have, like, Desaad seems to be, like, uh, whatever the hell the moth guy is, you know, where he's intelligent, um, kind of torturesome, evil as hell. Uh, so it's kind of cool seeing that. I didn't really know a lot about him, and now – you know, being a Marvel fan or being a comic book fan, it's kind of cool having, you know, kind of feeling like one of one of my friends when they ask me, hey, who the hell is all that? And I'm like, I have no idea. I really don't. They stump me even. Like, I don't know who the fuck those guys are. Those are uh, something. So the Black Order, very, very cool. Very Something I actually liked. I, found, I feel like such a crotchety old man. Something I actually liked for modern comic books, but um, – that's that's the truth about it. And uh, the characters themselves, they were pretty much lackeys, but you know that's kind of how it it is. You know, Thanos or Darkseid has their people. Galactus has his his um, his heralds and stuff like that. They tell them to do something. They go out, usually screw up, and then they come back and get their asses kicked by the general. So that's not exactly what happened, but you get you know the picture I'm trying to paint right here. It's kind of like one of those pictures where it's like abstract. You know what I'm saying? So it could mean like 50 different things, but it's really just like I, I was just drunk and I kind of put like a couple splats on a thing, on a canvas. Um, so, yeah, you guys can interpret it that way. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it was cool. I love at the beginning of the movie how basically Thor Ragnarok was The Force Awakens. Um, this movie was basically The Last Jedi. Like, forget about that last movie, how we got all the Asgardians on a ship and we, you know, went to save all of them and, and, and whatnot and, uh, we're, we're finally, you know, away from Asgard, from Surther destroying it and Hela destroying it. All right. And Thor's this goofy, you know, falling down all the time, kind of slack, slapstick humor. Eh, this movie, everyone's dead. He killed out half, half uh, apparently, the Asgardians from what Thor said. You know, we, we get Heimdall, who's dead, which I'm also a person that's happy that Idris Elba is done with this whole entire thing because they picked one of the best actors of this time period to play a – a kind of a side character, honestly. And there's other characters in Marvel, DC, wherever um, that I'd like to see him attached to in the future, but we'll get past that. Loki gets killed. It is really dark. Like I've heard so many people commenting about the humor and honestly, I get that. It's, it's something that's bothered me in the past uh, with Thor Ragnarok and, and guardians too. Um, I like humor and I think this is honestly because of guardians, which are my favorite movies, but they realize that instead of making it kind of subtle and in the situation, they kind of just went a little bit overbearing. I think in that those two movies, at least for me, um, you know, if you like them, I'm happy for you. But a lot of people are saying this was too funny. And for me, it needed that comedic timing 
to get you through some of these huge things that happen. And once again, I don't think this is a child's movie at all. If you took your kids, you probably had to like have a really horrible night explaining to them that Gamora is just a complex character and it's okay, sweetie. You know, it's should might be back in the next movie while they're crying their eyes out and shit. But uh, you know, hopefully it didn't happen to you. But um, I really liked it. I really liked the buildup. I love the pacing. I love the vignettes. It reminded me of of them trying like a Game of Thrones style thing. Uh, yeah. where there's different groups of characters uh, together, you know. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was hard to watch in certain parts, but, you know, throughout the whole entire thing, I'm being very vague. I should probably talk about specific scenes and stuff like that. Like, I love Spider-Man <laughs> going up on, on the spaceship um, and uh, Tony being like, you know, all right, we're going to get him out of here. So his plan is to get the Iron Spidey, which almost didn't work. He almost fell off anyways. Um on Peter, uh, before they just take off outside the atmosphere. I don't know what the hell Peter was thinking, really. And, uh, you know, but then he also turns on the parachute, and we think Peter's gone. Like, you know, Tony's like, all right, I don't have to worry about him. And I have to say that, even though this happens a little bit further, Star-Lord has now become, over Thanos, the biggest villain in the Marvel Universe. From I understand he got very emotional. You know, his girlfriend just died and stuff like that. But he basically fucked everything up when they were this close to getting the glove off of Thanos at the end of it. So I love you, Chris Pratt, but uh, yeah, that's definitely that. So yeah, that, that, that's, um, you know, initial thoughts right now. I'm sure that I'll think of everything I want to talk about right after I give the uh, thing back to you, but uh, we'll, we'll continue talking. So I'll be right. Um, no, I, I agree with you. And to me, the humor was perfect. And again, I think I was telling Joel this, um, maybe you guys this too, when we were doing our meeting. Um, the Russos just know how to get some of these characters right. And the way that they blended Thor's seriousness with his humor was exactly how Thor should have always been from the jump. Uh, yep. Even when Thanos was crushing Thor's head and Loki pulls out the Tesseract, he just goes, you really are the worst, brother. And that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, humor, that humor in a serious moment was beautiful. I love that. Like, that's the, Thor. That is who much. Thor is in the comics. Right, right. Or you you talk too much. Um, Or when Loki's being funny to Thanos as Thanos is looking to to kill uh, Thor, and he goes, oh, yeah, and by the way, we have a Hulk. Like, I love that line because it's like that line was used against him. So so he's able to now use that line against against Thanos. It was just perfect, and that's how you blend comedy with – go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I was just going to say, did anyone kind of hope – like, I thought it would be funny, and it would go over kids' heads if, like, when Tony was, like, you know, talking to Bruce Banner, was like, what's going on, man? And he's like, I don't know. Like, I wish that Tony would have been like, what, do you need to see Alice or a Viagra or something? Like, what's going on, man? Because <laughs> it's like that well, it thing. Like, it, would have also, it would have also paid homage to his, his quip to Loki in the first Avengers where, you know, he's like, uh, you know, performance anxiety. And <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Been done with that. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, and I just saw someone on our page complaining about they thought the humor took away from uh, the, the serious points. And I, yeah. I would honestly ask them, like, did you see the same movie that we, we saw? Because it blended perfectly. Uh, it it kind of matched. Um, and the Russo brothers kind of set you up for what they were trying to do was Infinity War and Civil War. Uh, there were a lot of comedy moments in that movie, and we know that movie was trying to be very serious, uh, you yeah. know, between the, the two sides. 
So when it blended well there, it let me know that they could do that same thing, that same formula on a higher scale. Even when they're soldier. Even when they're soldier, absolutely. And like Dane said, like Dane said, it's very situational. It's not like it, it's not it's not the kind of humor where um, like a, 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 I don't I don't want to keep going back to uh, you know the Last Jedi because um, y'all know I love the movie. Um, but like I do understand people's complaint with like him throwing the lightsaber over over his shoulder, like because um, that's not that's not really situational humor as much as that is. Um, humor that undercuts a serious moment and I don't feel like that's what happened in this movie I don't feel like there was there was any particular moment where uh, I felt like they were using it in that respect I, I felt it was all very situational and all very dialogue driven um, and, and good dialogue um, so again like I, I completely concur with both of y'all like it, it was it was the perfect blend to me Basically, it right. didn't come off like the Three Stooges, like in Thor Ragnarok, for certain scenes. Right. Logan, yeah. also, even though I, Thor. even though the I really Russo enjoyed brothers, that movie. And also, the Russo brothers did something that, when you do a movie of this this scale, uh, you should always do. And they went to each of the respective characters' most recent directors uh, and brought them in. Like, how do you see your character reacting in this moment? Uh, yes. James Gunn, me and Joel were saying this. Every scene of the Guardians felt like James Gunn directed that those scenes. Like mm-hmm. they felt like Guardian scenes. It didn't feel like the Russos taking on the Guardians. Felt like James he, Gunn taking on the Guardians uh, for those specific scenes. He specifically did the uh, the Batista one where where they made out and it was all emotional. And then he suggested that Batista should be there as Drax, you know, eating the chips slowly, trying to pretend that he's invisible, <laughs> blending in with everything. Like he said, that was yeah, one of my that, ideas. That's really awesome that they collaborate like that with all of their uh, directors. Yeah, and it worked. It worked because you definitely got a Ryan Coogler feel with the Black Panther scenes. Akaiko Waititi with some of the Thor scenes. So it definitely all blended well. But, Joel, I want to go to you, and I want to start with something that I'm laughing as I'm talking about it. I want you to start with telling us how disappointed you were that we did not see the destruction of the Nova Corps <laughs> on their planet for Thanos to get his first stone. And what your thoughts yeah, were. Yeah, that was legit, like, how, how it started. The movie started, and I saw the stone on his gauntlet. I'm like, exactly how I didn't want it to start is exactly how the movie started. <laughs> it's like, damn it, I really wanted to see him get that stone, and I knew they were going to skip it. had a really bad feeling, and they did. They really did just look over it, and they just mentioned it. So, yeah, that was extremely disappointing, but it is what it is. I got over it really fast. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one part that um, that got me, I was like, God damn it, I knew that was going to happen, and they did that. But as soon as, like, the Hulk came out and, like, started fighting with Thanos and Thanos gave him the hands, I was like, well, okay, I'm back in, I'm back in, let's do this, let's watch this movie. And, and they got right to the point, like you guys are saying, like, they killed off, like, Loki and Hanzo right off the bat, and there were people gasping in the theater. And like that's that was such a good starting off point, and, and it was off a scene that we saw at the end of Thor Ragnarok. You know, if you waited to the end of the you know, end credit scene, you saw the big ship show up, so you knew shit was gonna go down. You didn't know what was gonna go down. And I love that it kind of even though I didn't get to see what I wanted to see, I love that if they did do that, they at least started it where exactly where you thought it might. And so they saw him take the tesseract and break that thing like it was nothing. Um, and get to his, his second stone and, and go from there. And I just, like, Heimdall's last hurrah was sending Hulk down to Earth. I love that, too. 
Because I think that happened in the com- not not exactly like in the comics, but there was somebody crashing down to Earth to send a message. I think I forget who it was. was that Surfer, it was Silver Nova? Surfer. Silver Surfer. No, he was Silver Surfer was <clears throat> hit so hard he 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 landed in uh in in Earth. Uh, but it was Silver Surfer. Right. So that was an homage to that scene uh, in uh, I forget which which storyline it was, but yeah, I love that. Um, the whole back and forth between Tony Stark and Doctor Strange is really good. I love that. That was really funny. Um, love the bleeding edge armor for Iron Man. That was fucking awesome. Spider Man and his uh, new um, Iron Spider suit that we got to see in action. Um, that was really cool. There's just so many. Uh, it just like you guys it said it bl- it blended so well. Like everything went well. I enjoyed the humor. I know there there are actually people complaining about humor. I mean, whatever. Like, get over it at this point. Um, oh my god! Yeah, well, I was over. I'm like, yeah, it's it fine. It is what it hilarious. is. Hilarious. Right. <laughs> Thor was definitely a standout in his movie throughout the whole movie. Um, uh-huh. So I, I like I loved his interactions there, and then the whole thing. Well, I don't want to get too far in because we'll focus it on the first. Half or first act, whatever it is. Um, um, let's see what else. Did, I loved the the Black Order. Um, I know there wasn't, they weren't very fleshed out, and they were definitely punked throughout the rest of the movie. But they were definitely high end uh, cannon fodder, and that was fine with me. You know, it is what it is. They were they were threats to to Tony and Spider Man in the beginning. Doctors like Ebony Maw and Doctor Strange going at it. But it was, that was a really cool fight for me. Um, I just loved a lot of the interactions with them. I think the best parts of those movies were seeing the interactions between characters you never really got to see. Uh, I even gave uh, Wong some time to, to, to do some shit in there in that movie. That was pretty cool. It's just, it was a very good op- way to start the movie. I mean, I think everybody was in from the very beginning. So that, that, they got to give the Russo's credit for that. I, I got two more. I, I love Ned Leeds' cameo, <laughs> where he's yeah. like, make a distraction. He's like, we're all going to die. And I think he was genuine. That show was, that <laughs> show was fucking great. I, yeah, I don't think oh. even her peer. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. She was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was that was fucking terrific. Um, and then uh, also, um, jumping ahead just a little bit, uh, was you know the um the, when Cap shows up when you know I mean essentially mm-hmm. Wanda and and because how you were mentioning uh, the Black Order and and them being you know you know basically kind of kicking ass when it came to uh, to Tony and, and being able to capture Doctor Strange but then on the on the mm-hmm. flip side like you know basically them kicking Vision's ass and Wanda's ass and then their saving grace was the fact that you know Cap and and his his uh, team like showed up to kind of save the day. And I thought that was a cool dichotomy of seeing um, the black order succeed on one hand and then the black order fail on another hand. Um, it was a good way right. to balance everything. Well, <clears throat> one thing they didn't really get a chance to, to touch on much and I get why uh, movie, the movie can only do but so much. Again, going back to the comics, um, the black order prided themselves off of always getting the job done. You even hear Thanos uh, attribute to Ebony Maw towards uh, the end when he's talking to Doctor Strange. He's like, Ebony Maw died, but he still got his job done. He brought you to me. Um, One of the biggest things was if you would fail uh, as part of the Black Order, they would disown you. Like, no one would want to talk to you. They'd completely push you out. Um, So it was really fun to see that not only did one of them fail, 
they all ended up failing um, because that's so different uh, from how they react. Uh, they use those characters in the comic. Um, excuse me, uh, but I, I will say um, really quickly on on mine so we can get to the uh, the second half. I did enjoy um, the beginning uh, with Thor um, and uh, sorry, I was watching Thor. Oh, uh, Thanos doing the. Um, Jiu-Jitsu on Hulk, I thought was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I thought one of the best lines uh, at the beginning of that scene was when Ebony Maw goes, no, let him have his fun. Yeah. Like, when he said that, it let me know that this Thanos, they were going to completely embody what Thanos was in the comics. Like, completely. They weren't going to leave anything out as far as Thanos. Because if Thanos was only one stone and not even having to use it can take out the Hulk, no one else. <laughs> can take out Thanos in this movie, especially once he gets all of them. Um, so when right. he said that, I was like, oh, man, Thanos is really going to kill people in this movie. Um, so that was really fun to see. Also, I can't get it out of my head. Ebony Maw is now Squidward. I cannot get that out of my head. I can't even look at <laughs> He doesn't even have a nose, too. That's Ebony the best Maw. part. Um, <laughs> so that was that was fun. And I think the best thing that the Russo brothers did um, that I thought would be really hard for them to do because there's so much story to tell was we forget, and not us, but just casual moviegoers, that we hadn't seen Thor interact with the Avengers or Cap. I mean, not Cap, I'm sorry, or Hulk since Age of Ultron. So they literally had no idea that, that the band was broken up, like that anything had happened. Um, so right. to see uh, Banner come back and tell Tony, well, call Cap. And Tony's like, it's, it's not that easy. I can't just dial a number. Um, that really spoke to me because it's like Banner's like, all right, well, let's get the band back together. Let's go save the day. And Tony's like, I love yeah, how said, what, like the Beatles? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, you know, in his mind, he's like, well, whatever's going on with you two, the fate of the world is, you know, is, is at stake here. And to Tony, it's Get like, over your shit. yeah, but my, to Tony, it's like, yeah, but my pride won't let me call Cap. And we even see he struggled with just hitting the call button. Um, so that yep. to me uh, spoke a lot. And uh, what I thought was beautiful that the Russo brothers did, Tony and Cap were not in one single scene this entire movie. This entire Kevin. movie, they weren't in one single scene together. And I love that because now you, in Avengers 4, they have to be together because they're yeah. all they have. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how when they're face-to-face, what are the first words? Um, like, we know Cap. We know he's going to say Tony. Like, you know, we have work to do or whatever. But it's going to be interesting to see, will Tony kind of let go of all that hurt? to do what's, what's necessary to pretty much save what's left of, of Earth. Um, so th- those scenes really spoke the most to me in that, uh, that first act. Um, but I don't want to take up too much time. I want us to get to pretty much the rest of the movie because there's just so much movie to talk about. Uh, and it's hard to believe that the Russo said Avengers 4 is going to be longer than this. So um, <laughs> uh, I want to kind of go into uh, the rest of the movie. So what I'll do so we don't have to kind of handicap ourselves, I'll say from where we left off on everyone's discussion of the first act, from then to the end of the movie, I want you guys to just give uh, at least four scenes that were your all-time favorite from uh, pretty much the second half to, like, the end of the movie. 
Um, I'll start with you, Dane. What were your four favorite scenes of, like, towards the end of the movie? Uh, the four favorite scenes that I can think of um, that I'm now blanking out on because I'm put on the spot. Uh, <laughs> damn it. I knew exactly where I was going. Well, no, I'll, I'll say one of them right off the bat. The Battle of Wakanda, the fact that it starts off and just how badass, how it's built up with all these people on both sides, and you see these monsters that are ripping through the barrier. And, you know, when uh, Michonne, I forgot, forgot what the deny, uh, says, like, oh, my God, they're killing themselves to get in here. And, like, you know, just seeing that type of cannon fodder about to attack all of them. But then when it starts and you see Captain America and Black Panther taking charge, like obviously they have enhanced strength or speed and stamina and stuff like that, and that's the reason why. But the fact that those two badasses and, and, and throughout the whole entire thing, they both have the same type of concept, especially Captain America, where it doesn't matter if it's Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet or anything, he's, he's going full force and going, you know, uh, head first into things without even knowing the power level of what he's about to take on. I just think that that breathes so much life into how badass Captain America is um, of a character. And I, I just, um, I really loved all of that. I loved how complex they made Thanos. Um, and, you know, me, I, I told you guys, who was bitching this whole entire time? Like, he doesn't need that much stuff to build him out. He needs death, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't, guys. I'm sorry. He didn't need any of it. It was completely unnecessary. Um, the way they build him up is the way they build him up. He's still a psychotic madman, but I think I even said this on, on the, on the uh, Facebook page. They gave him the personality. I kind of, Thanos has always had that. He's not so much like dark side. Like it's not just, just, you know, cold, like just evil pouring out of him. He's got some stuff. And in the end, which is a great Marvel series, I don't think it's actually canon, but it was a great um, concept of Thanos actually winning. Uh, you know, he helps the Avengers go for the heart of the universe and kind of has this balance in his head that he's kind of going back and forth on. So that that type of concept was, was shown in this, and he had a lot of stuff uh, with Gamora. And, I mean, let me just say it, that scene where he killed Gamora. and Oh, yeah, Red Skull, that was the other thing I was looking for. Seeing him come back and just be a part of this and the potential of that and – you know, it's not Hugo Weaving. I forgot what the actor's name is, but he's one of the guys from Walking Dead, uh, the one that actually found, if you guys keep up with the show, I forgot what the name of the character is, but he found the group mm-hmm. and then got them in Alexandria. Uh, he did the, um, the work as, the, you know, the voice and everything. So he did a great job. We could definitely have him around. I want to know what the hell Hugo Weaving's doing um, and if he, you know, feels kind of dumb for not wanting to get a part of all this, but whatever. Maybe that's a little bit of just bitterness. Yeah. I just don't understand, going back even to where they were with Captain America, how you could be like, oh, that's underneath me, and then recently he's talked about how he wants to do another Matrix movie. But, you know, actors are actors. They can do whatever. Um, I just, I love the movie. I, I, I think it was awesome. I think that this shows potential. If people were mad that you didn't see, like, a lot of um, galactic characters, like in Infinity Gauntlet, like Eternity and, and, and whatnot, there's potential for that to happen in Avengers 4. It's going to get even bigger. And I love that it leaves you with the original Avengers. The ones that are left to fight in the beginning of the next movie are the original Avengers. And I think it's really cool that the only add-ons that could possibly join them are Miss Marvel, who was an early member, and also Wasp and Ant-Man, who are, who are also in the comic book's original members. So it's going to be uh-huh, cool guys. seeing those forces. 
Oh, yeah, and, and that guy, too, uh, Hawkeye. Um, I forgot about Hawkeye. By the way, Hawkeye's not in it. Ant-Man's not in it. That's why they weren't on posters. Um, <laughs> right. But, yeah, it, it just it, there's a lot uh, to set up for with the next film. And I someone was on uh, – I forgot who said this, but there was two theories they heard. One of them was in the next movie that maybe the ones that disappeared are in a different universe altogether. So they might be gone, but they're, they're somewhere else. Uh, and potentially the next movie could take aspects of Secret Wars when they finally get to the planet that Thanos is. But Thanos is the beyonder in that whole entire you know, concept. So you'll see perspective of the newer guard and then the older guard and then them trying to figure everything out. That's cool. If they don't do that, that's cool too. Um, another theory was instead of death, maybe use Gamora, even if she's a child, because that's who he loves. But even as like a daughter, you know, take out the concept of being in love with but maybe that's someone mm-hmm. that he still visualizes like in the story and they can kind of use that as an aspect of a similar relationship. Like he saw at the end of it and she was like, what did you have to sacrifice? And he said everything. So I like all that. I, I think that's really cool. And that I keep on seeing uh, people saying that it's, it's just a ride. It's, it's not, it doesn't have a lot of complexity. I've seen people say that, uh, that hype is the reason why this movie is going to do well. Uh, I've heard the same thing for Black Panther. I personally think that's bullshit. I think that the movie is very complex. It's 10 years of building with storylines, and it was very hard to watch certain characters. I thought Tony was dead, guys. I thought Tony was done, you know, and that really, like, completely gasped. My mouth was hanging, you know, on on my seat, if you will. Uh, it just – I can't believe it, and I just don't get what people – are talking about really? I, I, I don't. I mean, yes, obviously. Well, yes, another Marvel film. It's 10 years, and it's like the big event. Of course, there's some hype in it, but that doesn't mean it's not a good movie because, in your opinion, it's all hype. Uh, don't try to speak for everyone is all I'm trying to say uh, because with this especially, just like Black Panther, the majority kind of says you're wrong. So that's, that's, that's all I got for me. Yeah. Uh, no, and I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say what was interesting was all of us, went into this movie thinking if anyone wasn't going to survive, it'd be from the original Avengers. I love how the Russo said, I hear you and I raise you. How about I make all the new Avengers disappear? And when I saw that, I was just like, holy shit, they did it. They did that. Like they kept Stark. They kept Cap. They kept Thor. They kept Hulk. They took Spidey. They took Black Panther. They took uh, Scarlet Witch. But they took all the members we know um, heading towards the future will be the new Avengers and then left all the old Avengers. So I was just like, oh, my good, I did not see that coming. Like, I thought when he snapped his fingers, if he did, it would be really interesting to see how the new Avengers would kind of come together to try to save them um, in the universe because they're all new to this. Scarlet's new to this. Spidey's new to this. Strange is new to this. Um uh, even if you want to go, the Guardians, to some degree, are all new to this. So I was like, this would be really interesting to see these new guys kind of have to lead the charge. And the Russo brothers were like, yeah, no, not going to happen. We're going to leave it for the old guys to have to do what they've been doing for years. And I feel like with the setup of that, the fourth one may end with not a majority, but I'd say at least three of the main Avengers not making it out of that movie. Um, but I love how they completely threw us off with the location of the Soul Stone because everyone had everywhere 
except for where it actually was. Everyone, everyone, there was no one that thought it was on the premiere. No one. You can't lie and say that. Um, so I thought that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and just the idea, and Dana, I, I like what you were bringing up about Gamora possibly being the entity of death. Um, the one thing I would say to that was, uh, to that is, rather, he seemed like he was at peace at the end. Like, it didn't bother him, even though he had that moment with her. Instead, he lost everything. He still seemed at peace. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's haunted by it going forward. Uh, because if he is, then that, that theory comes, comes to life. Um, but anytime someone does something horrible and then looks that peaceful, I'm kind of going the route of I don't think it really bothers him that much at this point. Maybe doing it, it might have. Um, but he, he kind of seemed like he, has, <laughs> he was chill about it. He was like, ah, fuck it. Did what I wanted to do. We're good. Um, but Joel, what were kind of your thoughts a little bit about what Dane was saying? And if you have four of your, your favorite scenes you'd like to, um, point out. Well, I mean, I had a lot of the same favorite scenes that Dane had, <laughs> like very similar. Um, I'm pretty smart. Like the, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, a lot of my battle, like the battle scenes, like I love the, the battle in Wakanda. I love the battle in Titan. That was awesome. The, I love the battle in New York. Obviously we talked about it earlier. Um, there's just the, all the fight scenes, all the epic fight scenes are like instant classics for me. I, I like and loved watching them play out. Like Star Lord's plan comes to fruition, only for him to fuck it up at the end. Um, that was pretty <laughs> cool. Um, I loved, sheesh, like he said, Red Skull. Or when they got the one for the Soul Stone, never saw that coming. It was a great surprise because I'm like, I remember when it first showed up and you see this. It looked like death. It looked like this giant like. Grim Reapers hanging out there, and then I hear he starts talking, and I'm like, that voice sounds so familiar. Who is that? It sounds so familiar. I couldn't put my finger on it. And then they show it's the Red Skull. I'm like, holy shit, the Red Skull finally shows up. I'm like, I knew he was out there somewhere. Uh, so that was a really cool moment for me. Oh, fuck. Um, I know it's 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 morbid a little bit, but like when, like when not Venom, uh, Vision, sorry, when Vision, um, they like pull the stone out of him, and he's all like black and white. I don't know why. I, I like the way he looked all black and white. It was weird for me, but I enjoyed it. It, it kind of reminded me of when he was all pale in the comic books. He was like a white, a white vision, you know? Yeah. Um. So uh, I thought that was maybe an homage to that. Could have maybe possibly. Um. There was that moment when, um, like the first moment, like when everyone starts disappearing, and you see Cap interact with Bucky and Bucky starts to fade away. That's another thing right after the comic books, except in the comic books it was Hawkeye instead of Bucky. Um, but that was right there. Uh, an homage to that scene. Oh, that was a great scene. There's just there's just so many scenes. Like the, When Thor came back and like, got, the, got the Stormbreaker and returned to the battlefield in Wakanda looking for Thor. I'm not, let me start. Looking for Thanos. <laughs> and he lands and they go right to fight and he charges the hammer up and Destroys everything in front of him. That was a badass scene. Thor is a badass in this movie. I wish and I had an immigrant song. Yeah, I that wish that would have been awesome. That would have been amazing. But yeah, a brown eye now. He has a new brown robotic eye or whatever the fuck it was. That I guess that's cool. Um, this is. I mean that. That I mean I'm probably missing plenty, but those are a, a handful that I can think of. Um, that off the bell of the scene with Doctor Strange when he goes. Like a thousand of him and shit, and they fucking they wrap up the the gauntlet. 
that was really cool. I did not expect to see any of that. That was a really cool scene with Doctor Strange. I mean, it, there's so many cool visual scenes in this movie for me. There's just so many. So many that I can't even think about them all. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I would say uh, <clears throat> that one shot of Thor as he rises in the air in Wakanda, mm-hmm. completely, like, embodying uh, the thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought thunder just, right like, that's that's a screenshot moment right there. Like that's a moment you keep yeah. and put as like your background. Like that, that's Thor. That is Thor in all of his essence right in that moment. Um, but as I, as I pass it to you, Dick, I want to ask you about this specific dialogue. Uh, Cause I want to know what you think. And then after you're done, I'll, I'll kind of get with Joel and Dane thinks um, when Dr. Strange was explaining to Tony that he saw 14 million different ways uh, for this to play mm-hmm. out and that they won one of them. Nick, my question to you is, as Doctor Strange was disappearing and he told Tony there was no other way, do you think Doctor Strange meant um, that you have to let him get all the stones? The way we beat him uh, involves him getting all of the stones, uh, and then something happens, whatever he saw, and I love that no one, not us and not anyone on screen, um, as far as the characters, obviously not the actual actors, but the characters, Dr. Strange didn't tell anyone how they won. All he said was there was one, there was one time we, we got the victory. And then he told Tony before he disappeared, it was the only way. Um, so my question to you is, Nick, um, do you think the only way that he was referring to was you have to let him collect all of the stones? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I said that on uh, the Geek Vibes page. That was like my initial like first reaction to the whole movie in general. Um, and that is absolutely one of my favorite scenes um, is when he says that uh, to Tony. And I definitely think that's what he meant. Like, um, I think he knew Star-Lord was going to react the way he was going to react. I don't think, I don't think them getting the gauntlet off of him would have made a difference because it, it, I'm sure it, there were hundreds of futures that he saw if not thousands of or millions of futures that he saw where that did happen and it didn't make a difference. Um, cause when it was all said and done, he still was able to achieve his goal. And, um, so I, I mean, I think he knew exactly what Peter was going to do and that was all part of his plan. Um, real quick, I didn't, I didn't get to give my scenes yet though. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not going to repeat a whole bunch because Dane and Joel did a great job throwing out most of them. Um, but a couple scenes that I wanted to, to, uh, take notice of, um, the scene where we get the homage to civil war where Spidey's like, do you ever see that really old movie aliens? <laughs> and then I was like, Oh dude, they're going to totally fucking shoot that motherfucker out into space. And then they did. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was awesome. That was so good. Um, and to see like the iron spider claws pop out to like, catch him when he's, you know, trying yeah. to make sure that Dr. Strange yeah. doesn't go out to space. That the was legs. so awesome. Yeah, awesome. man, that was so cool. Um, and then also just, uh, like, the, the Dr. Strange moment and then also the uh, uh, the, the moment when, when Spider-Man dies. I mean, I feel like that was, that uh-huh. was probably, that was, like, probably the, the most heart-wrenching part of the whole movie, even more than Gamora, I think, uh, for me anyway. Yeah. Um, they're about about equal, but I mean, just it, Tom Holland's so perfect as Spider Man, and like that that line, like like I don't I don't want to go, Mister Stark, I don't want to go, and you know he he apologizes to Tony. It's like, dude, you don't have you have nothing to be sorry for, like, um, but like 
you know that's going to have a lasting impact on Tony um, going forward, and uh, and I can't wait to see how that kind of plays out in the future. But yes, to answer your question, I absolutely think this is the one uh, the one um, uh, outcome that he saw in which um, they could prevent this from happening uh, in some way, shape, or form that we'll see in Avengers Four. Um, and and just also one more thing, real quick. Um, I love that Dane pointed out that those are the original Avengers that are left. I didn't, that didn't even dawn on me, man. Like I, I it's just cause there's so much to like process, I, I guess still, um, which is why these discussions are awesome. But yeah, that's, that was a totally good catch. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like the original Avengers and then, a, and then a handful of people. And even like the notion that, you know, Hawkeye is obviously still out there. We've heard from the Rooster brothers. He's got a long play move. Um, and, and, there's still obviously the possibility that Ant-Man and the Wasp are, are still going to be out there, and they're like two of the original members in the comics. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really cool to see this team. And, uh, Juwan, I, I'd like your point, too, that um, essentially, like, it, it was a good way to do it, to keep the old Avengers around because they're going to be the main characters in Avengers 4, and it sets the stakes high to where, like, we know that, you know, there's going to be high stakes as far as who's going to die in that one. Um, and I think that was a brilliant move by the Russo brothers. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and I, I think that was a great way to go, mainly because it caught us all off guard. Um, I know a lot of us thought uh, Cap or Tony um, would be one of the ones to go. And the Russo brothers even somewhat played with our hearts when he got stabbed. And it was just like, oh, I man, Tony, I literally I'm not ready for this. I literally and threw my, <clears throat> threw my hand Everybody over did. my face. Like, I wasn't Everybody. ready. Cause, and what, <laughs> yeah. what's, crazy is, what's crazy is even though we felt like either Cap or Tony would go, it's one of those things where it's like you're just still not ready for it. You know what I'm no. saying? Like you still don't want to no. see it. So it's like as he got stabbed, I'm like, listen, Russo brothers, don't do this to me. And then when he lives, I'm like, okay, cool. All right, all right. So it seems like everyone's going to be good. And then when he snaps and I'm watching poor Peter. And by the way, this was brilliant by the Russo brothers, if you guys noticed. No one had long dialogue as they were disappearing except for Peter. Except for Peter. And there was a reason for that. Uh, I'm not going to act like I know what the reason is, but obviously there was some. Because he's the only one that had Go ahead, Dan. The theory that I'm hearing, and this makes a lot of sense because a lot of people are like, why would Peters last so long, blah, blah. It's just something to bitch about, basically. And people's concept is, since they showed the spider sense at the beginning of the movie, we're going to pretend now that that's actually a part of it, since they never kind of showed that beforehand, and that he was feeling his body freaking out, and that's why he starts complaining. And then, as it happens, then he slowly starts fading away. So that's why there's enough time. And basically, I shouldn't even have to make this excuse for it. Who gives a shit? Just watch the fucking movie. But still, that's, that's the idea, is that his spider sense was going absolutely berserk, and he was feeling it even you know, before he actually started disappearing. Yeah, I mean, I like that's it. really interesting. I like that. that's, that's really interesting, because I always thought it was, it, was, uh, it was intriguing that-, that instead of everyone just disappearing, just like immediately, instead of like that kind of slow process that they went through, I was like, oh, the Russo brothers have, like, a long play with one of these guys disappearing because it's not just instant. Like, it's not just, like, boom, they're gone. It's like a slow process of them just, like, dissolving into nothing. So I was like, oh, this this 
pretty cool. Like, someone's going to say something, and then the person that I was hoping would be, like, the quickest to go, so it'd be like ripping a Band-Aid off, they wanted to drag out. And I'm like, God damn it, Russo's. Like, you know this is going to hurt, man. Well, this is a- this is a kid. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Well, I was, uh, yeah, I, I think too, like that's, that's a good way to explain, uh, explain it. So I think that's more of the explanation, uh, the danger out there, um, as to why it's possible. But I think the why is just, it, it just has to do with the emotional impact for the audience. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's the why, you know, because I mean, that's the one that hits you so hard because I mean, Tony has kind of played like the father figure to to Peter in in two separate movies now, and you know for this and now a third with this one, um, and and so that just that just hits you so hard. I think I think it would have been a coin flip as to whether you go with Bucky um, or whether you go with Peter, and I think you know when it all comes down to it, I think Peter was more. Um, endeared to us because he's so young and, and then also because of his relationship with Stark uh, and, and you know, essentially the fact that he's fresh in our mind because he's been in, in you know, the last couple movies, he's been a main fixture. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, because I was thinking about this while, while you were saying that, Nick, I think the Russos set it up for Stark to be the one that definitely doesn't make it out of four. Because um, I'm thinking back to his conversation with Pepper. Where he was trying to tell her, like, you know, I, I, I think I'm ready for the life of having a kid and, like, not really having to be Iron Man, like, all the time or full time at all. Um, I like the idea of us having a kid, you know, us getting married, you know, us actually getting, uh, well, they already got married, I'm sorry. Um, you know, the, the whole picket fence and whatnot. And then when Pepper's talking to him as he's in space, she cuts out, and I thought I heard her say, um, come back, I'm excited. Expecting, but I thought she got cut off. I thought she was saying something, uh, something else. I don't know. It's used, it was loud somewhat near me both the times. Couldn't really make out what she was saying. Um, but the, the death of Peter and him feeling responsible for introducing him uh, kind of to this, this, this world, um, as far as being a superhero, I could see a scene um, to where Pepper never gets to see Tony again. Uh, like, she might have been one of the ones that disappeared, so... By the time they fix things, Tony might be gone by that point. Um, and and it'd be, it, it would really kill me if Pepper was pregnant and Tony, Tony never got a chance to know uh, b- before uh, the idea of him dying. But that's digging way too deep into it. Um, I do want to ask you guys, excuse me, um, with us n- knowing very little, if not anything, <laughs> about Avengers 4 outside the idea of, we see the past selves um, or the idea of them going back in time of Mm -hmm. Stark, Cap, Ant-Man, the Hulk, not just Banner, um, and Thor. So I'm going to start with you, Nick. What do you think the possible story will be of um, Avengers 4? And I'll I'll make this a two-sided question. What do you think the story will be, and what are you guessing the names will be for Avengers 4. Oh, fuck, dude. I have no clue what the name's going to be, so I'll just start with that. Um, <laughs> as, far, as far as the storyline, though, um, I mean, I think, I think it's obvious from the post-credit scene that it's going to involve Captain Marvel somehow. So the question becomes, like, 
where has she been all this time since we know that her movie takes place in the 90s? Um, and my guess would be she has been part of S.W.O.R.D. and protecting us from the scrolls. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's what she has been doing. And essentially, uh, somehow, um, they've been very tight-lipped about her powers. They've said that she's going to be the most powerful uh, of the Avengers in the MCU. I've heard that um, thrown about. Um, so that'll be interesting. It's definitely a different kind of take from the comics. Um, and, uh, so, I mean, I think it'll, it'll certainly involve her and the rest of who, who, you know, is still remaining, uh, as far as figuring out how to reverse it. Um, but to be honest, I don't really know. I have way more questions than I have even theories, uh, or, or possibilities in my head, um, as far as what, you know, how they go about doing that, which I think is, was so the perfect way to end this movie. Like, yes, we know they're going to reverse it, like, because they're not going to leave Peter dead, they're not going to leave um, Black Panther dead, etc. Um, but we don't know to what, what extent that's going to do to take. We don't know if it's going to involve time travel, or like Dane said, like they, they perish to like another dimension, uh, maybe maybe the interdimensional travel with Ant-Man 2 will have a play in that, so that might have a connection. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know what to expect, and I love that. I, I love that I really – I don't have a good idea in my head. I, I know where we're going to go, but I have no idea how we're going to get there, and that just makes me like they, – they did it again, man. They, they got me. They, they're like every time you think you might have a slight bit of – superhero fatigue like I didn't go see Thor Ragnarok in theaters um, but you know I wasn't going to miss Black Panther. I wasn't going to miss this one and they got me again they're like yeah now now you got to go see Ant-Man 2 and you got to go see uh, Captain Marvel I would have gone and seen those anyway but like but it's imperative now to see how it all connects and then when Avengers 4 uh, hits I'm sure we'll have a little more explanation but still very little um, and it, it'll be exciting how they get to the destination that we know they need to arrive to Absolutely, absolutely. I'm looking that we had before I pass it to you, Dane, and uh, you, Joel. Two questions that we had. I told people we would answer here on the um, on the show. One of them was, uh, where was Valkyrie? Uh, and for some strange reason, Good people question. really want to know where Korg was. Um, I, I don't get why Korg is so important, but I'll answer both. Because he's fucking amazing. Uh, the, <laughs> Russo brothers, uh, <laughs> the Russo brothers. The Russo brothers. Uh, was very okay. strategic about um, dialogue in this movie. And that's why uh, this movie sometimes deserves uh, three viewings. Like, if you can go in the morning when there's not, like, a, a shitload of people that are gasping or clapping or cheering, so you can hear the dialogue uh, a lot clearly. He said, I believe it was to Rocket. Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be misplacing who he said it to, but I do know what he said. He said Thanos took out most of... He said either most said or half, half of my people. Half of my I people. Half, yeah. uh, so when he said that, I believe, and you can kind of assume, he told Valkyrie to take as many people as you can and get them out of here. Um, and he, alongside of Loki, Hemdale, and Hulk, would try to hold off uh, the Black Order and Thanos. That is the easiest explanation that they could go with because there's a reason why they did not show her in this movie whatsoever. And that has to be why. Um, and the second question we got was, why in the TV trailer 
did they show Hulk and Wakanda running with the team, but not in the actual movie? And that is an even more obvious answer to that question because that was a spoiler. If they had showed the Hulkbuster armor instead of the Hulk, that would have been like, all right, so wait, is there no Hulk in this movie? So, no, they did that to make you think, oh, man, we're going to get Hulk, uh, you know, and, and possibly the final battle. Nope, Hulk is only in, like, the first five minutes of the movie. That's it. So a lot of the stuff that they did was to kind of completely throw us off the trail of what they were actually trying to do in this movie, and it's just the genius of Kevin Feige and, and the Russos. They find ways to throw us off. I mean, we remember we saw the promotional stuff of the toys, of Thor having two eyes, and we were like, oh, they met, they're messing up their, their promotional stuff. Like, he obviously has an eye patch. And then the Russo brothers were like, mm, he does, but then he does get an eye. So it's just one of those things where it's like they like to keep things close uh, and throw us off with a lot of things. Um, but, James, excuse me, I'm going to go to you. Same question I asked uh, Nick um, that I actually forgot what I asked Nick as I'm talking. <laughs> What do you guys think in Avengers 4, and what, what do you think it might be titled? Thank you. Thank you very much. This is why Yeah, I well, even to address what you just said, um, I'll agree with you that people just like to find things to nitpick on. But, you know, teach their own, uh, film is subjective. I even had some problems with the movie, but, I mean, they were so minor. It was uh, my, my biggest thing, you know, before I go into that, was that, you have Thanos that has the Infinity Gauntlet and uh, with most, most of the stones on it, and at one point with all the stones, and he's able to get stabbed, but then you have Thor who's able to take on you know, a, the power of a star. It's, it's, it's little nitpicky things, and like knowing that the characters that died obviously means that they're, they're going to come back. Uh, but still, anyone pre-snap I think is dead, at least to some extent, within the whole entire thing. So, I mean, it's easy mm-hmm. to like, try to find with it, uh, and I don't think everything, no movie is 100% perfect, but I have to nitpick. Like, if I if I used Peter Dinklage, it probably would have been for a bigger character. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> if you're going to make him a giant, Not I kind of would have... I, I kind of would have preferred him if they saved him for Galactus and just made, you know, just him that size, put on a suit, and that voice that he has, perfect. But, hey, that's, that's not what you're asking me. Um... I just think that people are just pains in the ass, basically. So hard to please. Um, I'm just glad that I enjoyed this one. But I've been on the other end, so I don't really have room to talk, I guess. Uh, But the movie itself, I think it's going to be called Avengers Secret Wars. And I think that, um, you know, it's just a theory that someone came up with. But I love that idea that next movie, for a good chunk of the beginning, the original Avengers assemble outside of Tony Stark, and he's trying to get to wherever – uh, Thanos is, and that's the whole entire concept. Now, the flip side, all those people that disappeared are now on that planet, maybe, or something that happens. Maybe Doctor Strange put some type of hex and saved. I have no idea. But if it ended up on that planet and you have, you know, some type of story beats from Secret Wars, but Thanos, like I said, is a beyonder, making them fight each other for whatever reason, the state of the universe, and then they team up to go against him, something like that, and maybe he brings back certain villains that have been dead, because he can, he can do that, reanimates them, and makes them have, you know, a huge battle. This, gotta, this has to have, this has to be the biggest movie they've ever done, and uh, I want some more cosmic characters, like I said, like Eternity, uh, would be cool, Living Tribunal, something to that extent, uh, but yeah, that that that's kind of where I would go with it. I would actually make it more cosmic than it even was beforehand. 
That's very interesting. Uh, I could definitely see <clears throat> them going that route. Um, ooh, wow, just burped, and it was really acidy. Um, well, um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on on what this story for Avengers 4 could possibly be, and what is your theory on what the name could be? I am, I think I'm just as clueless as Nick is. <laughs> I have no real idea. This is going off with theories of people, other people, but um, we know time travel is involved in some capacity, or or at least flashbacks. But someone looks like it is time travel. Um, but that's all I can really give you. I have no idea what the next movie is going to be called, aside from like Marvel Avengers Assembled. Aside from that, I have no idea. What in the fuck this movie could possibly be? What it's going to be called? I'm excited to find out both, um, but uh, we probably won't find out anything realistically till um, the end of the year. Do you know what the date is for this movie next year? Is it like summer? May, April nineteenth. May. Is it May? Oh, it's oh, April. It's May? I thought it was May. I for some reason, I, I thought know. April April eighteenth or nineteenth stuck out to me, but it, it could That's be May. That's interesting. Hold on. I mean, I'll find. I'll look at it now. But uh, but yeah, I have no idea, man. What what? It's it's open ended. I mean, uh, it is. A, look, I like to say that this is definitely more a uh, part two to, to the last movie. So uh, I know they said it wasn't a part one and a part two, but this is basically going to be a part two because it's, the way that movie ended was definitely not one of those like, uh, yeah, you know, completely different movie than the next. Yeah, it probably is different, but it's definitely connected. So I doubt it's yeah. that like loosely. So, yeah, I'll Captain Marvel's that. in March, so it probably is May or June. Probably May. Yeah, because so. I'm saying I'm saying a release date of May third. Yeah. Okay. I that see May third as well. Yeah, May third. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, I I agree with you, Joel. It's one of those things to where it's like you can only assume, but like with, right. when when it comes to Marvel, you never have a clear idea, or when right. when you think you do, that's when they completely go the the other way. I'm going to go yeah. with the safe bet. I'm going to go with what I thought it was going to be since Holy Zodan told us. Um, Infinity Gauntlet. Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, to me, <laughs> to me, it's fitting. It, it is fitting, um, especially since Kevin Feige, I believe, said um, maybe a, a few years ago, like maybe last year or something, that there is more than one Infinity Gauntlet, or there will be more than one Infinity Gauntlet. Um, so, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see if that's still the case. Um, and to me, that's just like, that's the safest bet to assume. I think Dane is one of the more interesting ones and definitely one of the more, uh, possible ones. But I think if I had to go with like a safe bet, like if you asked me to put money on something, it'd be infinity gauntlet, but that's only because Zoe's slipped and said it during a, um, during a press event. I think it was last year. So it's like, that's what, that'd be my safest bet. (laughs) And then I remember after she said it, it was kind of just like, I think Kevin Feige was kind of like, we don't know what the name is going to be. And then, like, everyone just stopped talking about it. And I'm just like, uh, well, I kind of feel like because they, yeah, I kind of feel like because they did all that, like, that was the name. So maybe they changed it or maybe she revealed it and they tried to sweep it under the rug. And that's still the name they're going to go with. Uh, We definitely won't know until way after. I hope it's the Battle of Hawkeye. That's what I hope for Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye's Avengers revenge. 4. Avengers 4, Ronan's coming. Um, yeah. But no, we uh, we definitely won't know until way after Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, only because, you know, obviously maybe the title might spoil something 
small for what they might be trying to show you in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, so we won't find out until way after that. Maybe well, that's what they New keep York saying. Comic-Con. It's a spoiler. Right. It is a spoiler, right. So they, I'm pretty sure they want to wait until all their, their movies are out and then give it to us. But they're not going to make us wait until Captain Marvel to give us the title. Because by that point, you would have had to have given it. At that point, you would have had to have given us a trailer by that by then. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not gonna. Be, we. I'll say this: this year won't end without us knowing the name of Avengers Four. That that that's what I'll say. Because we like know Avengers so. Four. We know Avengers Four won't spoil Captain Marvel. It's a whole other timeline. Uh, not right. timeline as far as like uh, uh, like she's in a different world than them. This timeline as far no. as like she's in the nineties. So right. it won't spoil that at all. Um, but I will say this, guys. I, I want to ask you this, and I, I'll start with it. I want to ask you guys, what is one scene you would like to see from Avengers 4? I, I know me personally, I was telling Joel, I want to see after uh, Stark and Cap kind of get everyone back from wherever they are. Um, you see the Guardians, or what's left of the Guardians, what's left of the Avengers, all lined up, and you see, you see Thanos standing with, maybe his army or something like that, of the Knight Riders. That's what his army uh, was called. Um, for anyone who didn't know, the Knight Riders. Um, and you have the Thanos Outriders. standing there. Outriders, I'm sorry. Outriders, I apologize. <laughs> um, you have Thanos standing there in front of his army, and you see Cap stand, like, walk out in, uh, in front. So it's them kind of just standing in front of both of their teams. And you just see um, Captain America give what we've been waiting all these years for, and he says, Avengers, assemble. And then they lead, you know, they, they lead into, in, into battle. That is the only thing I am just dying to see uh, from Avengers 4. Uh, Joel, what is, what is one scene that you would love to see from Avengers 4? Well, I have to agree. I think a must-see is seeing Cap say, at this point, finally saying, Avengers, assemble. Like, four movies in. Of Avengers movies, he's never said the damn thing once. So he's got to say Avengers yep. Assemble at least the one time in this, you know, I'm not going to take the conclusion, but um, the wrap-up of this storyline for, for the for the Marvel Universe, and it's 11 years going on um, the anniversary. So it's like, I w- definitely think that's going to happen. Uh, I, what I would like to see is something I'm probably setting myself Self, myself, uh, setting myself up to be disappointed, but I, I want a tease for Galactus at the very end of that movie. I don't <laughs> care if it's a post-credit scene or something. I want, I want, I want some type of tease of that or the Fantastic Four, and I will be fucking just happy. Hey man, listen, set those expectations high, man. You never know. We never know. Mm. So that's not mm. out of the realm of possibility. We never know. Especially by we next year, yeah. Especially by yeah, next especially year. by next year, yeah. Um, Nick. What is one thing you'd like to see from Avengers 4? I don't know, man. Uh, I hate to like be like the, the guy who's just like, I don't know what it's going to be called. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what I want to see. Like, I have no fucking clue. I'm just, I mean, I guess uh, you threw out earlier just having um, having uh, Cap and Tony reunited and, and, and like how that, that conversation plays out. Um, that would probably be something, I mean, at least something that I would be very interested to see. Um, so I'll say that. I mean, I think, I think that would be, um, that would be something that I, I would, obviously we have to see, we're going to see, I know we're going to see, and I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. And 
again, Nick, I don't blame you for, for saying I don't know. Neither, none of us know. Uh, <laughs> you know. This is all speculation. It is just hard to speculate with Marvel because they're always switching things, moving things, and throwing us off uh, the trail. So it's never easy to say, yeah, this is what I want to see, because knowing Marvel, they're probably listening, and they're like, all right, so you won't see that. Uh, they're listening to Joel <laughs> right now, and they're like, we're going to make sure we hold out all of the, the Fox characters until <laughs> the year after. <laughs> the the deep, deep Disney state is what we're dealing with here. <laughs> exactly. Um, Dane, what's one thing that you'd really love to see from uh, – a scene, rather, that you'd really love to see from Avengers 4? I don't know if I do this for, like, the uh, first post credit scene or maybe right at the end of the movie – but for some reason, within the interaction, either with Doctor Strange or the Infinity Gauntlet, um, something really overpowers Scarlet Witch. And when she gets back to the Earth, um, maybe she has a freak out towards the end of the movie. And kind of paying homage to House of M at the uh, – spoiler warning, it's been years since the fucking comics been out, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> at the end of House of M, when they go back to reality, she's so overwhelmed, she says, no more mutants. So instead of doing that, she says mutants, and for some reason that kind of just starts, you know, the concept that eventually we're going to see mutants within this universe. I'm kind of even if Galactus, is the, if this is the first showing of him in a post credit scene for way later on, because it's going to be about three to four years. Uh, right. It, Kevin Feige even said that it's not going to be in this phase; it's going to be in the next phase. So if this, if they have like certain connections, like this is coming, and this next phase is about scrolls. Maybe it's about the uh, secret invasion, and then the next one is Galactus will be the ending. Maybe they, it, you know, show off the Fantastic Four towards the end of the fourth phase, kind of that whole thing, and then set up the movie. And then the X Men are all Phase Five, and, along with everything else going on. I think that's a cool way to stack it up. I love that Marvel has so much going on for them. But yeah, if I, if I were to pick one thing, it'd be something with Scarlet Witch, doing something of an homage to that, saying mutants, and then you know, kind of putting in stone. The X-Men are coming. I got one. I, Tony, I, Tony saying no sh- shit Sherlock. Because <laughs> we didn't get that in this one. <laughs> so that, they're they, they had a lot of interaction, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of chances to do it. Um, that would have been awesome. Uh, I will say to you, Dane, um, I completely love that idea. I will say the one thing that always upset me about the what Josh Whedon decided to do with Age of Ultron was, instead of just going the route, uh, and I know no one expected Fox to ever, ever give uh, Marvel their, their rights back, but he didn't leave it open-ended as far as their creation. Uh, he kind of made it very, like, concrete. He said they were created. They were experiments. Um, so, I mean, I, I think one, it's open-ended. One... I think it could be because they're the only two who were able to survive it, so it could be that their mutation, the experimentations made their mutations kick in, which made them survive it. I think right. it, what I about think Magneto, it, though, being her father? I, That's a hard one. I guess I can just I say, thought, oh, he's here. We thought you died, you evil bastard. No, I watched your brother her, die, blah, blah, blah. Magneto's well, back, some the, bullshit like this. The reason why I said it confused me was because I thought he was saying um, there was like a certain something he did through using um, the, the Tesseract that helped bring out their powers. So I thought he was literally saying he created um, them having powers, not like it, it, it awoke anything. I just yeah. felt like no, he should have been No, more he definitely like, was saying that. No, you're, you're 100% correct. I'm just saying it's not completely closed-ended because if you remember, they had a, a lot of other failed um, experiments. Like, they were the only two who were able to 
successfully sure. like developed. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. So Nick. it could be that the point. reason they were able to do it is through their mutation. Um, mm-hmm. th- now that does it certainly brings into question like how you bring in the rest of the mutants and everything. The only real possibility that I have for that, other than Dane's theory, which is it, still it's still got a, a few holes. Um, but like, is that Professor X? You is, have like, a few holes. His, yeah, I do. Um, Professor X is uh, using his powers to cloak to hide um, hide yeah. mutants. Um, but but good, why wouldn't he hide idea. them? I guess because they were already found, and and he can only see. As far as I remember, he can only see mutants once they develop their powers. Um, mm-hmm. Like so, I don't know. That is just 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 spitballing here, but yeah. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can kind of explain, <laughs> you can explain the X-Men by, uh, in one of the, whether it's an Avengers movie, like an end credit scene, or in like a big character's uh, sequel to like one of their, their solo films, just have it be to where uh, they've existed, but they're now coming out now. Like right. after all this stuff has happened, they're just now coming out because, you know, the, the story of the X-Men always was, they never felt comfortable being a part of the regular world because they didn't accept them. Right. But it's like, all right, so you'll accept your king who who dresses like a cat, but you won't accept me who's an actual, like, cat? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it, it seems like they'd right. be more accepting in today's climate after everything that's happened uh, with people having superpowers and stuff like that. And I think it's great that they would exist after we maybe get the Sokovia Accords out of here. Um, you know, right. that's going to be really interesting to you see how they do? play with that going forward. We we Go should ahead, do a segment maybe, like, maybe next week on how we think the Fox in, – in in three to four years, how we think the MCU will pull the Fox characters within this. Can be a cool yeah, thing to think absolutely. about. Yeah, absolutely. That's – man, we could use all two hours just doing just that. Instead, instead of talking um, about Phase 4, let's talk about Phase 5 because we don't care. <laughs> we just want the X-Men and Fantastic Four. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm looking yeah, forward I'm to with Phase you. 4. I'm with you. And I will say this thing. I really hope the next the next phase we get the secret invasion. And then what yep. happens is after that's over, it, it ends with a post credit scene on the end of Avengers 6 um, to where we get the introduction of Galactus. But we don't see Galactus. We get the mention of him from Silver Surfer. That would, that would be, be the cool. best way to do it. And you that can have cool. it to where he interacts with Doctor Strange. He's coming. And that's how Doctor Strange warns uh, the Avengers of what's to come. We Listen, oh, Kevin Feige, sign us. We are doing your job for you. Sign they can form the Illuminati. Um, oh, my I don't Lord. think he exactly. needs us to do his job for him. <laughs> he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I was just trying I'm, to make I'm, it seem important. I've got wood. <laughs> but no, that that would be a lot of fun because we know Silver Surfer and Doctor Strange have had a lot of interaction with each other throughout the comics, so that would be a lot of fun, um, especially if Doctor Strange even knows about the Silver Surfer. Um, that would be just like really freaking cool if he knows that he exists. Um, that would just be a lot of fun to see that play out. I will say this. I'm going to go around really quickly. Did it upset anyone that in Thor Ragnarok we know Beta Ray Bill exists? But in a, in an, in Infinity War, the weapon Thor uses is uh, Stormbreaker. Uh, Nick, did that bother you at all? Or do you just not care about Beta Ray Bill at all? Uh, no, I do care about Beta, Beta Ray Bill. Um, but maybe uh, that that doesn't mean that won't be his weapon. 
maybe Thor dies, and that's how Peter Ray Bill gets the weapon. So I, that I, is very I'm true. Not, I'm going to hold judgment until I see how they use, how they utilize. Very true, Joel. I already know your answer, but I'll ask you: Did that bother you at all? Uh, what what, what bothered me again? I'm sorry, I lost it. Uh, that Thor Ragnarok showed us Beta Ray Bill as one of the statues, but in an, oh. in Infinity War, Thor is using Stormbreaker. Nah, it didn't really bother me that much because it kind of it's it's different. They just really kept the name of it, and it does look it looks similar. It's just a bigger non gold version of it, um, right? So no, it didn't bother me that much. I mean, if we see better rebuild, yay, I'd be great. I'd be happy with it. But um, he needed a hammer. He looks weird without one. So yeah, I need Stormbreaker was a badass hammer too. So yeah, no, I was fine with it. Yes, it was. Uh, and Dane, same question. Um, if anything, what I hope happens is that they consider make, maybe having better rebuild. If Thor dies. Have him better Ray Bill take the hammer, somehow introduce him maybe in the next Guardians movie, and maybe he kind of works with the Guardians. If they ever want to use Mjolnir again instead of Stormbreaker, maybe they can do the female one unless Chris Hemsworth wants to come back or some shit like that, something. But no, I didn't really. Yeah, Fate wants him alive. I'd, I'd actually like alive. to see Beta Ray Bill <laughs> interact with Doctor Strange rather than the Guardians because I think there's a lot you could really do with that possible team up for, for just one movie. Um, but That's thank you guys one. for listening to our show as we broke down Infinity War. We have so much more to talk about this upcoming week, but stay tuned. We have a whole bunch of shows, a whole bunch of content coming, uh, and we will see you guys same time next week, right? Yes? No? Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah? Why not? All Indeed. right. Why not? We'll see you next week, guys. All right. Peace. Peace. Avengers Assemble. Yeah. Whoa. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions. Same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.